Friday and you're listening to TGIF, the podcast that brings you all the casual conversations about your favourite or not so favourite horror movies. I'm your host Kat and this week I am joined by Rena. Hi, how are you going? Hello, I'm good and yourself? Ah, really good. I'm fantastic. I'm actually really excited to talk to you about the Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah, yeah, I, I really love this movie so much. I was very stoked when, you're, when you reached out and you're like, what movie do you want to talk about? And I was like, I got the best pick. Don't worry, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we dive in the movie, into the movie, do you want to tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, so I am a horror writer and podcaster. You can see my work over on bloodydisgusting.com, uh, formerly Sci-Fi Fangirls, and ScreenQueens.com. And I run my own weekly horror podcast called Horror in Session. It's available on Spotify and Apple. Awesome. And your podcast is, uh, your co-host um, is a horror baby. Yeah, so uh, this last summer she had like posted a photo of uh, her wearing like a shirt of the original John Carpenter's Halloween. And I reached out to her because she was a mutual and I was like, oh, you love Halloween? She's like, yeah, it's like the only horror movie I've seen. And I was like, hold up. <laughs> only horror. Yeah. What do you mean only horror movie you've seen? <laughs> so we got to talking and she ran like a podcast of her own that was Star Wars focused. And it, we just kind of got together one day and we're like, oh, we should see what we can do with this. And now I basically just assign her movies every week that we watch. And then we meet up every week to discuss. We awesome. do kind of and you're pretty casual too, aren't you? Yeah. For the most part. Um, Aside from like when I introduce every movie, I'll give everybody like tidbits, like who wrote and directed it, who's starring in it, how much money it made at the box office, it's critical reception. And then we just kind of jump into it and just kind of like, part of my language, we just kind of shoot the shit. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Like, you can swear. It's fine. I'm Australian. Oh, okay. Like, okay. Thank one. God. Because <laughs> like on my own pod, I'm just like, oh yeah, you can swear all you want. But Do then like. Want. But then, like, when I go on somebody else's, I'm like, oh, I better get that language in check. <laughs> uh, I put explicit, like, as a warning on every single episode because I don't know if I swear or not. <laughs> like, I don't remember. <laughs> same, same. Like, I'll casually be in a conversation and I'll drop an F-bomb and not even realize it. But uh, I was raised by a man in the military, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I come from a military family as well. Yeah, so... Oh, well, well, you're from Arizona, you were saying. Uh, no, I am actually from California. I briefly lived in Arizona for a year or two. Because um, I knew but, there's a military base out there somewhere. But I was actually born in uh, Germany. Holy moly, that's heaps cool. Yeah, uh, launch duel and like the military base was in Ka Kaiserslautern. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, my dad was in the, the U.S. Army. Oh, that's so cool. My yeah. dad never got to leave Australia with the army, unfortunately. Oh, um, but yeah, I'm still proud of him. Yeah. He's pretty cool. Well, he dad? is. Sorry. My dad is still alive, everyone. I was like, <laughs> oh, is he no longer around? <laughs> no, he still is. <laughs> I've really got to watch my phrasing, don't I? Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I was like, dad. oh, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. We apologize. He's still cool now, but not military cool. <laughs> Understandable. Oh, 
fuck. So we're talking about the 1982 release of the Slumber Party Massacre. Um, the little slug. Is it called a slug? Like the description of something? The the slug? The log like line? The, is that what it is? Like like the brief summary of the movie? Yes. yes the log line. <laughs> in a book, it's a slug. So I'm like, okay. what is it? That might, that might be just cultural differences between us. I was oh. like, slug? What is that? <laughs> The brief description is, a female high school student's slumber party turns into a bloodbath as a newly escaped psychotic serial killer wielding a power drill prowls her neighbourhood. Fantastic. I love the drill in this, but we'll get to that. Yeah, doesn't get um, No. The the film's directed by Amy Holden Jones, who we would know uh, she also directed uh, Beethoven, which I thought was really cool. Oh my god, I never knew that until just now. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I love Beethoven. God, I'm supposed to be the horror expert and I don't know this shit. <laughs> On IMDb. <laughs> like <laughs> Wow. Maybe I'm just like so fixated on the one that I just never realized. But uh <laughs> She did do another horror in nineteen ninety seven, a film called The Relic. The cover looked really familiar, but I can't remember if I've seen it or not. I don't think I've seen that one. Um no. But I do understand this movie is written by uh, Rita Mae Brown. Yes. Yeah. Who is known for Ruby Fruit Jungle. She's an activist for uh, women's rights and LGBT rights. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I did a little bit of research into her yesterday because um, I've known about Ruby Fruit Jungle. I unfortunately haven't read it, but it's quite Mm -hmm. popular in feminist writing and reading and whatnot. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe I should read it. (laughs) It's like... It's crazy because this is like one of the few like slasher movies um, and the whole trilogy actually are just uh, are all written and directed by women. So yeah. it's like kind of a rarity in the slasher genre. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that the cast is predominantly female as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I've got a few notes about um, my thoughts as we go through, mm-hmm. but um, all of the roles, everything, just everything is a woman. It's mm-hmm. people. It's, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's um, just, a, like you said, a, a rarity, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially because uh, it's produced by Roger Corman. I don't know much about Roger Corman. Um, his movies are kind of sleazefests. Oh. <laughs> like a uh, lot of nudity, a lot of gore. He, oh. he had a he had a heyday in the 90s. I mean, the 80s. I believe his most famous film is uh, Death Race 2000. Okay. Oh, I think I know that one. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. it was kind of wild that this one was just helmed by women predominantly. It's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The only um, thing that I saw was a little bit um, eh about it was that Rita Mae Brown wrote this to be a parody of slasher films, mm-hmm. but the producers basically took it and rewrote it to be serious, even though she didn't want it to be. Mm-hmm. So that goes to say, like, if the producers were male, <laughs> what the 80s was really like for women in the industry anyway. Yeah, um, the original script, I believe, was uh, entitled uh, Sleepless Nights. And it was yeah. like a full blown like parody and send up of the slasher genre, which yeah. to some extent, I feel like the finished movie sort of still fits that description. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of... Um, 
like nods to it being a funny film anyway, mm-hmm. um, either intentionally or unintentionally, and it doesn't take itself incredibly seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um one of the main reasons why I love it. It's kind of my group movie whenever i have like a group over it's a movie i'll throw on if nobody's yeah. seen it yeah it's not too it's not too bad because it, yeah it was my first time watching it i watched it three times this week oh wow wow <laughs> well it only goes for what 100, 100 oh sorry an hour and 15 or something yeah yeah it's 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 fairly brisk it's that's another reason why why i'll throw it on if like i'm with a group of people and they haven't seen it it's just because it's it's not a movie that requires how do I say how do I say this? It's not a movie that requires a lot of like like mental like like uh investment. Yeah. Like you can just throw it on and kind of just have a grand old time with it and it just runs at a brisk pace. Like there's always stuff happening in it. Yeah. That's and, that's definitely and there's always like it's here and then you're here and then you're there and mm-hmm. it's it's enjoyable mm-hmm. it's um but it's also really just it's super easy to watch so yeah and i think that's like part of like one of the reasons why it's like legacy has like kind of lived on because it's quite popular like not mainstream but it's like very popular in the horror community yeah absolutely and i can definitely see why it's mm-hmm. um yeah I, uh, before we dive into it, uh, for Australian listeners, I was able to stream this through Amazon Prime. Um, where can people in the States watch it? So I believe Slumber Party Massacre is currently on Shudder in the US. Don't quote me on that. Um, <laughs> it also has a home video release through Scream Factory. And I think like pretty much the average price I see for this Blu-ray in particular lately is like $11 US. Not too bad. Mm-hmm. I think I bought a used copy at a record store for like $7.99. Well, that's not too bad. Yeah. Can't complain about that. Yeah. Um, the sequels, on the other hand, are a whole nother story. Yeah. Well, number two is on Amazon as well. So I'm going to so, watch that. Today, so I, I think. think I think number two is on Shudder in America. Um, it's out of print on Blu-ray in America. Um, it was released in a double pack of two and three through Screen Factory once again, but it had an extremely limited run and got yanked off of the shelves for some reason. I think they lost the rights. Yeah. Um, I don't believe you can find a copy for less than 160 US dollars. <laughs> That's yeah. like almost 200 bucks here. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say what I paid for my copy, but I do own that (laughs) Blu-ray. But uh, the first one, thankfully, is super accessible and super cheap. And they haven't had any issues with the release of that over here. Yeah, I wouldn't even be able to tell you where to get it on DVD here because Australia just sucks in general. Yeah, your guys' home media releases are pretty borked, huh? Oh, it's really difficult. But my partner works for um, a company that's kind of similar to Best Buy. And then okay. DVD here. So I can do like a special order from, and he can import it in for me. So I could probably get it. But oh, okay. I'm going to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, because I need this. I need it. I've got a list already of all these things that I want him to get me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I should probably, I'll add that to the list. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get into the film. 
film. So I love the start of this film because everything is just so serene in this suburb. It's so nice. Yeah, it's kind of like that, like, perfect, like, suburb that you always hear about. Like, it's like, oh, people move away from the city to get to here. Um, Actually filmed and set in Venice, California, I believe. Nice. Yeah, so idyllic Southern California at the time for the 1980s. Yeah, I'd love to live in Southern California, to be honest. No, you don't. It is expensive here. <laughs> that, that's currently where I am. Uh, it's, it has its up and, ups and downs. You don't want to be here for the pandemic, though, because we are no. really no. bad right now. <laughs> oh, I hope it gets better soon. Yeah, same. Um, so we find out that a mass murderer, um, Russ Thorne, has escaped from the... Uh, I hate that they've put it because I I grabbed this from Wikipedia and then I like rewrite it how I pictured the film and I actually copied Insane Asylum and I fucking hate that word. Yeah, I don't even think they like quite say right off the top of like the head, like right at the beginning where he's escaped from other than like it's a mental institution, but that has like multiple meanings. That could be anything really. A psychiatric prison? Um, and, <laughs> and somehow he escapes and has, like, a full Canadian tuxedo. Like, he's got, like, the jeans with the jean jacket. Like, he's just all denim head to toe. <laughs> oh, look. Double denim is brave. <laughs> it's such a look for a serial killer <laughs> that it's like, what? <laughs> what? Where did you get that? It's just a normal dude wearing a Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> put that here i was like he just looks so normal and 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 i have a theory on that but we'll dive into that in a little bit (laughs) so we meet uh trish who's a a teenager i'm assuming she looks a little bit older than a teenager to be honest um her parents are going away for the weekend and um i love this because of her fucking creepy ass next door neighbor mr content oh yeah he's great he's like the ultimate red herring like in a slasher movie (laughs) it's like it's him isn't it (laughs) yeah like you know that's a that's that's a that's a great point to bring up because i think because this movie is done through the female lens every male in this movie you could say that about like oh it's him isn't it and it's kind of like kind of playing into this idea that the world is like kind of very scary for women like anyone could be a perpetrator if 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 you let your guard down and there's not too many men in this film so i think they're all kind of put as red flags Mm -hmm. in general throughout the whole the movie and i mean um when um when we go to the school Mm -hmm. we meet jeff and neil and like jeff jeff's just his hate's big creepy teenager like mm-hmm. um, not creepy but overconfident teenager like he's he's a shithead yes <laughs> <laughs> there's like no other way to get around that <laughs> he hits on the and this is what i was gonna say because um it's the telephone repair woman mm-hmm. and throughout this film we see so many male dominated roles and career paths that they've put women in that 
role. So mm-hmm. it's a telephone repair woman. It's a uh, coach, uh, Yana. And then her carpenter handyman at, at the coach's house is also female. So it's really cool just to see a very limited amount of men in this role. Like it's in, in the roles, it's just something I don't see in horror movies or movies in general. Mm-hmm. And and I honestly think that's what makes Slumber Party Massacre stand out from the pack. Um, that you can get, like, regardless of how it turned out with, like, the gratuitous nudity and everything. is like, at its core, you can still get that feminist reading from it at the end of the day. Because I think that just comes with the territory of it being directed and written by women. Yeah, absolutely. And it's... I feel that now if someone was to do that, it feels disingenuous. <laughs> and because there's a lot of discourse about we need this and we need more women. And then when it's done, sometimes it just doesn't feel genuine. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that like, wasn't necessarily their goal with this movie, but, but it's like I said, it's just the way it turned out. So because of that, it comes off like as a bit more like authentic. Yeah. Yeah. I think if they were to do that now, it wouldn't feel the same way. No, I don't think they could ever like remake or redo this movie and have it like kind of pull off that same tone because um, it, it, it balances that fine line where it is like a gratuitous slasher, but it is like this like deeper kind of feminist reading, like unintentionally. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to see some um, like sociologists and and feminist writers write something about this. Yeah, I've actually seen a couple like think pieces written about this movie. Um, my column, sorry for the plug, my column over at Screen Queens, the Final Girls Club, we actually had a a a, a trans woman write about Slumber Party Massacre two, and she talks about summer party massacre one as well and like the way they kind of navigate like femininity and like grief and trauma and it you can really get some great readings from this movie i know like on the surface like when you look at the cover you're like oh it's just like this slocky like like piece of shit but (laughs) if you really give it a chance and really kind of like look into it you can get something a lot deeper out of it yeah absolutely and i feel like um i definitely watched it through a because i have a sociology degree and so watching films i watch it completely different to some someone else who wouldn't watch it through that lens and so i'm always looking for what does it say about society what does it say about this what oh that means such and such and so it's really it's really cool to watch horror films because they are all a reflection of society damn i'm really glad i picked this movie now for you (laughs) (laughs) i do it with everything everything i can't ever Mm. since studying sociology and then like english at school Mm -hmm. i just can't watch a film normally anymore Mm -hmm. except like lord of the rings (laughs) i unfortunately just can't like watch movies without going like how can i write about this in some capacity yeah, so you know the feeling where you just can't sit and watch the movie and just switch off. Yeah, same. And like being on a podcast where we just talk about horror movies, like we we do deep dives, and it's like it's like oh, 
okay and like having the multiple perspectives you get like multiple readings on the movie so it's just like every time i watch something i'm just like what can i take away from this it's it's really hard to turn my brain off yeah (laughs) um that feeling (laughs) yeah well let's get back to mr content is it content 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 my don't let's just call him mr content because we're creating content right now (laughs) surrounding him and so i love it because trisha's like oh mr content whatever Mm -hmm. and he's like right behind them and she's like oh Mm-hmm. You're here. Of course you are. Yeah, and it's when uh, they're they're is it is the senior talk about the one where they have the weed out? No, no. Oh. I've got to mention that she throws her Barbie doll away and somebody takes it. Yes, that's important to remember that. Yes, um, I'm but, a little ahead in the movie in my mind. <laughs> yeah. We're at the school and they're playing basketball. Which yes. I and what I really liked about this was a reflection of how teenage girls do really treat one another. And I, mm-hmm. I say this a lot about um, films where there are teenage girls because the way that men write teenage girls is so different to the way that women write teenage girls. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the teenage girls in Carrie, for example, were very typical, but I feel like a man wrote that screenplay. I'm not too sure. Um, Most likely, yes. But they felt authentic, but then there's some that just don't, because you're just like, why do men think teenagers are hysterical people? Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're not. We're psychotic. We are psychopaths. You're like, we're worse. <laughs> we're worse. And they're just really horrible to Valerie, who's the new girl. Mm-hmm. I really they- like Valerie. She's cool. They have like the strangest insult I've ever heard in a movie. Like, uh, like, oh, Valerie drinks too much milk. It's like, what? Because I was like, what? I, you know, I've tried to dissect that line and I still don't quite understand it. Like, I've dwelled on it after viewings and it's like, Valerie drinks too much milk. Like, are they trying to say she's like a baby? I was like, I don't get it. Oh, I'm trying to think of something. Like, why would you say that about somebody? But, but they are, like, really shitty to her. Yeah. yeah. And while they're playing basketball, um, mm-hmm. we have that scene where the telephone repair woman is dragged into her car by mm-hmm. who we assume is Russ Thorne mm-hmm. um, and killed and left in her van. And then he just chills out there like an absolute creep. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I believe that's actually where he gets the drill. Yes, I think, yeah, that would be... It's a really big drill, by the way. Yeah, it's, like, comically large. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, you need a drill that big? Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, what does she need that for? <laughs> but, but, yeah, I believe it is implied he gets it from her because that is the first kill in the movie. It's, like, right after he escapes. It's, like, pretty safe to assume, oh, he gets it out of the tool truck yeah that would make sense because mm-hmm. i was just like what is a telephone i don't know what telephone repair people do they repair Honestly, telephones <laughs> telephone lines who has a landline nowadays well this is the idea like <laughs> this is like the idea like 1980s california yeah Every- everyone has landlines yeah everybody had a landline so you know more in demand when I, was a teenager, I had my own landline like your own telephone number and everything yeah separate line yeah oh wow 
No, I just had like a phone in my room. I had like a Mickey Mouse telephone. Oh, see, we didn't get anything like that here. We got what? boring stuff here. You guys just get regular phones. Yeah. Um. So there's this shower room scene where you know we were talking about that um gratuitous nudity nudity and. From what I read, a lot of the actresses just refused to be completely naked because there was a lot of male producers and, and crew members and whatnot, and they just put um, tape over their nipples. And mm-hmm. that's why we don't see a lot of um, of naked, naked like breasts and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry to cut you no, off. I was going to say that um, the, the, uh, the actress that played Diane had come out and said oh well that was just basically expected back mm-hmm. then if you wanted to be in a film you had to be naked and i was like that's so fucked up yeah and uh amy holden jones has gone on record saying like oh the producers forced me to put in the nudity scenes yeah i did read that too um, yeah she's done interviews where she's like oh those scenes don't really sit right with me yeah of but, course um but like i said it was a roger corman production his movies were kind of known for that it was just yeah. kind of like it was as shitty as it is to say it was the time yeah absolutely and and if we're able to look at it with that lens and say okay well uh-huh. it'd be totally different now it'd be about consent and being comfortable and um you know saying being able to say yes or no to doing something like that yeah yeah um i think they were just kind of put in a position that like they had to say yes because it was like like look at the time like how rare was it for a woman to even be on set let alone direct a movie it was just kind of like she yeah i think she's gone on record saying she just kind of had to play ball whether she wanted to or not unfortunately female Um, directors like oh get the fuck off my set yeah which it's 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 great too because you watch the movie and that's literally like the one scene that like kind of doesn't fit in with the rest of the movie oh yeah and um a scene with diane and her boyfriend where i was like oh why is there a boob here yeah anytime like nudity or anything gratuitous pops up you're like oh get that out of (laughs) here like this film would not have like this film didn't lose anything by not having would not lose anything by having that not in there yeah hard agree hard agree and it and it like and it's like the tone in those scenes is like different than the tone in the rest of the movie like it almost feels like like they were reshoots and pickup shots like they're like oh we need this in the movie yeah exactly it's just like well no one's gonna come watch it if there's no boobs yeah because uh were we um what year did you say 1985 this was released 82 82 so this was like the start of the slasher boom um obviously at the time i think 1982 most famous movies at the time were like uh friday the 13th part two yeah it was like the most recent big one and that one had has a fair bit of nudity heaps of boobs yeah yeah what's Um, with boobs anyway (laughs) you know it was the thing where it's like sex sells and like hollywood it was the thing at slashers at the time people were expected to see hot teenagers that were butt naked just getting slaughtered teenagers with their boobs out like that just makes me feel yuck which is why the the actresses don't look like teenagers because they aren't (laughs) yeah like whenever i see a movie and there's a 
a who's someone who's meant to be a teenager and there's like boobs out i'm like oh oh i'm 31 i can't watch this <laughs> i think i i think it like it's all like context of the movie and in the context of this particular movie it's like oh that's weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but but then like i see the counterpoint of like oh it's a parody of slashers and what were slashers at the time they were just blood boobs and gore yeah yeah i get that Mm -hmm. i could just horror movie doesn't need to have naked people yeah i'm trying to think of what horror movie actually benefits from naked people and i don't think i can maybe suspiria 2018 I haven't watched that one yet, so I'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> I'm just going to say, like, the last 15 minutes, that nudity might be justified. Okay. See, like, there's <laughs> some times where you're just like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, in the context of this, where you can tell it was, like, a reshoot or, like, a studio mandate, it was like, oof. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, this is where one of the girls in the group is killed because she goes inside. And I really liked this because it's like a, I was really confused at one point. Like, where in the school are you? Why can't you get out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think that's like never failed to come up in conversation. Like whenever I show this to a group of people, it's like, why didn't she just run outside? And then like I sit there and I think about it. I'm like, oh yeah, why didn't she? <laughs> wait a second but all the doors are locked i get that but it's just like how did she get in like they're locked but they're the doors that they use at schools where they don't have handles on the outside but they open from the inside get out (laughs) listen we we didn't say that this was the smartest movie ever going in It's a really cool scene because she um, is really badass because Russ Mm. comes, he gets in, but she can't get out. I don't Mm. know. (laughs) Look, it's a, it's a slasher movie. The killer is going to get in. He's going to get in anyway. Yeah. And he's got this, like you said, comically large drill and she's trying to get out and he just fucking stabs her right in the arm with this drill. Is, is this correct me if my memory is wrong is this the scene where you see the shot where it's like between his legs and the drill is hanging down yeah but i have a note for that okay we'll dive into that when that is but i was like is that the first kill that that happens on that's um diane's okay okay i'll hold my thoughts until that but yes (laughs) i do remember this kill he like stabs her in the yeah and he's she's like throwing shit at him and Mm -hmm. she makes a pretty smart getaway but um he's looking for her everywhere and the only thing that gives her away is that her blood goes under a storeroom door mm-hmm. and i thought that was really cool that like it, she didn't make any noise yeah uh, she was so quiet through the whole thing it, it was cool to see a killer like very aware of his surroundings yeah it, it was just like oh there there you are yeah yeah because yeah, like you said like it's so quiet in there like you could hear a pin drop and then he just looks down and sees the blood and then just like like yeah. right through the door yeah and it's... it was just really smart like a smart way to give her location away i was like i haven't seen that before yeah no it's it's something that i'm actually surprised isn't used like a little bit more often in like movies yeah. 
um especially slashers that like claim to be smart like modern day slashers that are like oh we're a smart one it's like i have never seen that particular like gimmick like used since this movie yeah me too and i i I love slashers so i've seen a bazillion but yeah this uses quite a lot of really cool um techniques and deaths and i just really appreciate um how unique it is in that sense yeah i think this i think the slasher is like very unique in like not only it's like production but also in like the dude walks around with the drill like like he's not using like hatchets or knives or chainsaws it's like a fucking drill yeah like i love that kind of choice yeah and he's wearing a canadian tuxedo (laughs) he's like i said he's just this regular guy he like doesn't even look scary I mean, his he, eyes are a bit maniacal, but yeah. But other than that, he's just like some average dude walking around with like, like we said, this comically large red drill, just like <laughs> hunting down these teenagers, and it's like that imagery that sticks with me in my mind. Yeah. Um, you think that's unique? Uh, just wait until you watch part two. We'll dive into that one a little bit later. <laughs> um. Later that night, the girls are all having their, um, before this, sorry. I love the scene where Diane absolutely flips her boyfriend onto his ass. It's my favorite thing. I was like, Diane, I think you're my favorite. Yeah, she's great. She's really good. I actually kind of love, like, all the girls in this movie. Um, Yeah. I feel like um, most slashers, you don't get time to know the characters. But this one kind of lingers on, like, before the main slaughter happens, you kind of get to know all of them before they start. Yeah, um, yeah I feel like, because um, we'll just talk about um, the fact, we'll talk about the party, because they all go over to Trisha's house. And um, the thing I really love is that Kim and Jackie are fighting over the baseball game stats. Mm-hmm. And I am a massive baseball fan, so I thought that was really cool. Um, uh, Diane just she kind of feels like the um the popular girl that hangs out with the regular girls and i don't know you you got the stereotypes like being smashed like women liking sports yeah absolutely women being involved with sports um yeah like i said you could get so many like feminist readings off of this movie like still even though it didn't end up being like its original intention yeah i think that they um that they would have gotten a lot of influence for, from what was written, what, um, you know, Rita Mae Brown wrote about it. And mm-hmm. we see a lot of that coming through with all the different strengths and um, definitely Courtney and Valerie. Mm-hmm. I love their relationship. They are fantastic. I have a younger sister as well. So mm-hmm. at um, while this is all going on, um, Courtney, Courtney and Valerie are at home and Courtney just wants to go to the party, which I think is great. Cause that would have been my siblings. And I would have been like, no, we're staying home. Like too bad. So sad. Yeah. But, um, Kim and Jackie rock up to the party with the weed. Yeah. That's <laughs> what we were talking about with Mr. Content who just, yeah. you know, invited himself over to the house. Yeah. Just to check up on the girls. And they have, I believe quote, uh, Maui Wowie. <laughs> like a bag of weed. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's um he's, he's pretty cool about it. I wanted to I wanted to say something quick about Courtney. Um she's great because she's like tomboyish, but also like an absolute horn dog. Yes. <laughs> like uh you don't see that too often. Like she's caught like reading porn and like doing all this stuff throughout the movie. It's it's great. She's a great character. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why later on, why she's so great. Yeah. And so there's heaps of different stuff going on. Uh, Russ is hanging out in a van, just mm-hmm. chilling out, watching everybody. Uh, Mr. Content basically just leaves and he's like, have a good night, girls. He's like, I'm the cool neighbor. I won't tell your parents. <laughs> <laughs> and then di- just dips out of the movie for the rest of it. Like he's yeah. just, he's just gone oh no there's a scene where he comes back and oh i know but i wanted to bring that up when we got to it don't do it just yet because it cracks me up i know i was gonna bring it up when you brought it up but i'm like oh for now he's just fucking dipped out he's He's gone gone. he's gone yeah um so jeff and neil have invited themselves to the party and they're just sitting out the front watching the girls getting changed smoking weed um being fucking fighting, creeps being fucking creepy teenage boys yeah and one of the guys jeff is a famous actor i feel like he's in heaps of tv shows david milburn i have the tab open right now i will take a look i feel like i've seen him in quite a bit or he just looks like somebody that's in a lot sorry you're probably gonna hear my typing real fast that's okay go for it david milburn emmy nominated actor and producer let's see i'm gonna go to his imdb Uh, he is best known for the film gods and monsters i don't know that one he, he was in tv shows wasn't he yes yes he was Apparently, as of last year, he's still directing. He does the narration for the sh- TV series Now What? Um, <laughs> he's done Hallmark movies. He's been in quite a bit, it looks like. Okay, because he has a really um, familiar face. Oh. Like, he looks super familiar. Wait, what? He did... The American English dub for the anime Robotech. <laughs> okay. That's where you know I what? know him from. <laughs> yeah, I know him from Robotech, which, fun fact, a little tangent about Robotech, that is supposedly getting a live action adaptation from the director of It Chapter 1 and 2. What? That'll be interesting. Yeah, so Robotech is connected to horror in more ways than one than people realize. <laughs> I'm not even a Robotech fan, and I know this. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, so the guys are lurking around, mm-hmm. uh, which I, yeah, that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. Diane rocks up to the house, and mm-hmm. they're ordering some pizza. I remember their pizza order: no anchovies, no anchovies, mushrooms, and olives. I was like, yes. I I like how they have to ask for no anchovies. Like the pizza place is just gonna throw them on automatically. Oh, really? Like, why would you say no anchovies unless it was oh. just going to come with it on there? I was going to say, is that an American thing where they just put anchovies on it no matter what? No, that is not an American thing. 
because my partner's like put a lot of anchovies on it <laughs> wait you guys actually eat anchovies on your pizzas yeah oh see here like a lot of pizza places don't even have anchovies oh wow oh so this is like an actual thing that the, you yeah. have to request it with it gone oh no here you have to order them on there oh but your partner does yeah because he's sick in the head <laughs> get out no i'm kidding <laughs> i was like anchovies are fucking gross yeah I no. he will like if we make pizza at home he will sit and like get anchovies out of a jar and put it on his pizza i'm like oh there's something wrong with you I know the listeners can't see my face right now, but I'm like sitting here mortified. <laughs> Next, you're going to say he eats like peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwiches. Oh, God, no. Ew. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe he does. I'm going to ask him. But they do request no anchovies on the pizza. Yeah. So uh, that's why I was like, oh, do they just put it on every pizza? No, yeah. no, no, they don't. <laughs> So this is the scene where Diane goes outside. She's grabbing some wood. <laughs> She's grabbing some wood, all right. No, I'm thinking about the snails. Oh. Someone comes up behind her and, like, chops this snail in half with, a like, a, um, what are those knives called? A cleaver. Yeah. And it's Mr. Contact. Yeah, which is, like, the only, like, use of a cleaver you see in this movie for the most part. But why is he... And he's like, oh, I'm just out snail hunting. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. My dad does it all, like, late at night as well. See, I think that's where the the parody comes in, because that's such an over-the-top, like, situation. You're just like, who in the fuck does that? (laughs) (laughs) Like, no human does that. I was like, no, leave snails alone. What? But then I love, because, um, yeah, it's just so funny. Because I was like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? I was like, snail hunting's a thing? And then no. I realized it's a parody. You're it's like, just- these Americans are weird. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, no, that's not a thing. I can confirm that. Okay, good. I'm really glad to hear, because it's just... I just smash like a snail right now. I'm like, yep, nope, not a thing. Not a thing at all. Yeah. Um, So Diane goes back inside um, and so Mr. Content just like continues his like little stroll down the driveway with his cleaver. um, And as he's about to hit, well, smash another snail, he's um, drilled right through the neck by Russ. Yes. In like, one of the greatest like drill deaths in this movie yeah yeah it's it's so good like when it happens you're like fuck yeah and because he kind of like just falls to the ground and we just see his face all like terrified it's pretty great too it's because like and it's like the audience at this point knows he's just a red herring he's not the killer and it's just like to get that confirmation is pretty awesome yeah and the the practical effects are like kind of really good in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I've made a few notes about that because I was like, yeah, this is, you know, like I'm I'm imagining they didn't have you know some kind of crazy budget. I think it was around half a million or something. Two hundred and twenty thousand. Oh wow! So half of that. <laughs> yeah. So half of a half a million, quarter million. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, oh, we're good at maths whatever yeah i'm like y'all use the metric system though right 
Yeah, but we still say millions. Oh. What? <laughs> Forget what we I just, said. We just don't use like inches and miles and feet. Oh. But I know them still. For the most part. Yeah. Like I'll still measure things in inches if I need to. Like I know that an inch is 2.5 centimeters. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I did not know that. And that a foot is 60 centimeters. Okay. No, it's not. Take that back. It's not. Um, oh, fuck. A foot is 12. Listen, there's a reason I didn't become a mathematician after yeah. high school. The reason I became a sociologist. <laughs> uh, I just became a writer because I don't like numbers. I prefer words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My sister is really good at maths, and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, every time something like every time someone's good at math, I'm like, ew, you're weird. <laughs> I'm like, you like that shit? Uh, like one of my friends is a maths teacher, and I was like, oh, you liked it so much that you wanted to go teach it? You oh. wanted to spread the word about math? <laughs> We're going off on many tangents. <laughs> <laughs> um. I love the scene. Oh, this is, okay, so this is why I was saying that the Barbie doll is important because um, they're talking about how it's cold in the house, Trish closes the window, and mm-hmm. she kind of does, like, a double take because she can, she, you know, we see Russ outside, mm-hmm. but, she, you know, we kind of see that maybe she's seen something too. Mm-hmm. And he's actually stuck a melted Barbie doll in the window with Mr. Content's cleaver. Mm-hmm. And I love her reaction to it. <laughs> Because it's yeah. so, like, intense. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's an imp- intense thing to walk in on. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if she's, like, getting, like, if that's too much of a reaction for it. But then I think if it happened to me, like, I'd probably oh, shit my pants. Yeah, if it happened to me, and yeah, I would, I would shit my pants. <laughs> I hear a noise outside and I shit my pants. See, I live somewhere where a lot of people go walking at night, so I don't really take notice. And my bedroom is like right near, um, like a main road. And and, and, so, and you guys have like spiders as big as dogs. Oh my god, they don't hurt though. They don't hurt. It's the little ones you got to fucking worry about here. Listen, one time I saw a video on Sydney funnel webs, and I was like, nope, never going to Australia. I've never seen a funnel web in my life. My dad has. Um, and I actually live somewhere where I'm surprised I don't have some, like, in my front or backyard. Maybe I do. I don't know. But um, I'm terrified of white tips, which are about, like, this big. Mm-hmm. And if they bite you, um, they have that your skin turns necrotic. Oh, my God. And just, like, rots and falls off. And it will, like, spread like you have to go into a hyperbaric chamber to stop it from spreading. Holy yeah. shit! How is Australia inhabitable? Like, how is it habitable? Well, 63 percent of it isn't. <laughs> Y'all got shit trying to kill you. That's like, well, I can't, I can't, I can't talk. I lived in Arizona where one time my housemate stepped on a scorpion with her bare feet oh. in the oh. house. Oh my god! Did it sting her? Yes, it's tired very hard. So, like, we had those UV flashlights and we would just walk around, like, whenever we walked somewhere looking for them. Oh my god! Because yeah. they're venomous, aren't they? Yeah. Not not enough to, like, kill you, but you'll feel yeah. it. 
Yeah. Far um, out. So if I'm remaking Slumber Party Massacre, I'm sending it in Australia and it's going to be like uh, Mr. Contents, like Cleaver into a Sydney funnel web, like in the window. <laughs> or Redbacks or something. Yeah. It, tall. You won't see them. Actually, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a big gnarly like huntsman with like a cleaver in it. <laughs> but most Australians will keep um, huntsmen's in their house because they eat flies and cockroaches. They eat like the bugs in your house. So most of the time, we just leave them alone. We take photos of them and we're like, "How fucked is this?" But we won't kill them. <laughs> You're like you Americans. Look at this in fear. <laughs> Come over here, I dare you. Oh. So this is where things start to kick off because um, uh, John kind of like rocks up to the party. Well, the party. It's a it's a slumber party, but everybody seems to think it's this giant party. So Courtney is over at their house. They kind of live like a. It looks like a cul-de-sac kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah, like your typical like cul-de-sac suburbia neighborhood. Yeah, and um, Courtney just spends most of the night being super jealous of not being at the party. And I was just like, typical 16-year-old girl. Super jealous, super horny. Um, Yeah, oh, I love, she's so funny, the conversation she has with her friend about French kissing. Listen, can I I just say this right now? Yes. Um, So you're going to watch Slumber Party Massacre 2, right? Yeah. Courtney is the main character. Oh, yes! That's awesome. And she's, like, older, so she's, like, a teenager now. And uh, I won't say why, because we're not there yet, but that whole movie is about her dealing with trauma from the events of the first film. Okay. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So, yeah, if you love her, you get a whole movie with her as the lead. Oh, gosh, yes. Still very horny in the sequel. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. Um, does Amy direct that one as well? No, a different director. Um, I will get an exact name for you right now, real fast. Um, different, different director, different writer. Um, so the director, the second one is Deborah Brock, and okay. she also wrote it. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So. I'll definitely. I've got a. My partner's coming after band practice, so he won't be here till like eleven p.m. So I have about. I don't know, oh my god, hours. is he in a band yeah. too? Yes, he's in a band. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Do you just hang out with like all these like hardcore bands? Yes. Oh my, that's awesome. That's like the main genre of music I listen to. <laughs> oh no way. See, I feel like we should just I'll just move over to LA and we'll hang out. <laughs> um, John turns up to the house mm-hmm. and he's in a pretty cool car. I like his car. Mm-hmm. I don't like I'm a teeth person, so watching him speak was really hard because I just couldn't deal with his. Your teeth are fine. <laughs> I'm like, for the listeners, I'm like over here with my crooked teeth, just like grinning, like showing. It was just his teeth because that uh, was just like, oh, I don't know. It's he. He's like kind of super unattractive. Yeah, and I was like, maybe they just put mediocre men in this film on purpose. <laughs> I genuinely think that's what it was. Like Diane's uh, throwing this guy a bone here, but yeah. anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you literally think like, oh, all these women can do better. Exactly. Yeah. Well, she's the only one that has like the the boyfriend by the looks of it. Mm-hmm. And so, they're making out in the car. Yeah. And that's where this is that scene, correct? Where there's a boob. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. And uh, he's like, let's go back to my place. So she goes inside. She says to Trish, we're leaving. We're going to get beer. Mm-hmm. And I love that Trish is like, you don't have to ask for my permission, Diane. <laughs> it's just kind of kind of plays into that whole like possession thing like possessive relationships it's like oh you're leaving because your boyfriend said to yeah exactly yeah and yeah. he like kind of plays it off all court like oh you don't gotta ask for my permission yeah yeah but when diane goes back into the garage in the car this is all her downfall because throughout the whole film she's forgotten to lock the garage Mm-hmm. and um so she gets into the car and she goes to like touch john and mm-hmm. in this absolutely such a cool shot because we're seeing from behind like as if we're sitting in the back seat and his head just like fucking rolls off his shoulder yeah <laughs> i think I it's like it. i think it's like almost parodied and uh oh did you ever see grindhouse where it was the double feature of planet terror and death proof I oh yeah um, you know that fake trailer in the middle for that movie Thanksgiving that like Eli Roth did? Oh, no. Okay, so oh yeah, because they got a they got separate releases overseas, huh? It was only America yes. where they were released as a double feature. Yeah. Um so they got like guest filmmakers like Rob Zombie and Eli Roth and Edgar Wright to do trailers for fake movies that would play in between. That's cool. And the, and Eli Roth did this one called Thanksgiving, which is obviously a parody of Halloween. And yeah. there's like, there's this scene where in the trailer where these two like couple, like this couple was making out and the girl grabs the guy's head as she kisses him. And then all of a sudden his body like falls. Like he's just got decapitated and they don't explain how. So like in a little, in a ways it almost feels like a little wink and nod to that particular death in this movie because his head is just gone. (laughs) She's just fucking that far. (laughs) Yeah. Like literally like everybody, like I watch it with, they're like, what the fuck happened to his head? (laughs) No sign of that. His head has been cut at all. Yeah. And it's just gone. It's great. Yeah, it's um, awesome. But I love that they can't hear her screaming and honking the horn because they're too busy making daiquiris. Yeah. They, like, oh, that. <laughs> they're like authentically like having a slumber party. Yeah, they're ordering pizza. They're, they're like making drinks. They're doing stuff that like actual girls do at a slumber party. Exactly. Like, I don't know what dudes think we do at slumber parties, to be honest. They think that we have pillow fights, like that one part. That's the most unrealistic thing. I don't want to get hit with a pillow. I don't want to hit someone with a pillow. Listen, I use one of those memory foam pillows, so it's just like smack. <laughs> I was just thinking, I have one here. I was like, that's fucking heavy. Yeah, that'll knock someone out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, that's not what we do at slumber parties. There's yeah. no girls making out. There's no nudity unless like we're getting dressed. And teenage girls, I'm telling you right now, we don't get changed in front of other teenage girls. Because we're we're 16, we're terrified of our bodies. We are just chilling, making daiquiris. Eating pizza, watching movies. Yeah. Probably smoking weed. That would have been. We're smoking weed and watching Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so. Why 
men just sexualize fucking everything. It's so weird. And it's weird. Well, it's not weird that this movie is like a send up of it. It's like genius. I I, I know I've been repeating myself, but it's like it, it's like pretty genius how this movie turned out. Yeah, um, because it's great where you can't they like don't hear her at all because like you hear the blender and they're mixing drinks and like all that. It's like it's perfect. Just drown her out. Mm-hmm. But um, this is a quite an iconic scene, and I've seen this written in interviews and um, and reviews by you know wherever I was reading my reviews uh, because. Uh, Russ goes to attack Diane and Diane's kind of like backed into a corner and this is where we see the shot of the drill between Russ's legs so there's so much uh, in this whole scene would you like yeah, to take that? it's like yeah like like for those who aren't aware this movie is basically saying that like that is like his manhood the way it's positioned it's like that it's like positioned like a penis and they're positioned in the way that they are like victims to him or in that he is like asserting dominance and that's where it like really clicks in your head for this movie it's like oh this has an, a super feminist meaning and yeah. and then especially we're not there yet but with the payoff of the ending it like adds even more to that Yeah, and so there's lots of reviews that are like, oh, obviously this scene is like phallic symbolism and male dominance over women and women being these like timid um, victims. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the characters in this film aren't your typical slasher victims at all. Mm -mm. And I think that that dynamic between this um, symbolism and that is really quite, it really stands out. Mm Mm-hmm. A, th- a thousand percent um yeah that that cover to this movie where it's that shot is like genius yeah like Cause it's kind of like just the way that they're all cowering together and are like oh help me from the big scary man that's not big, how to act yeah, in this film yeah all. like help me from the big scary penis yeah 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 it's great i really love it that's like one of my favorite shots in the movie because i think that's when i watched it for the first time and it just clicked in my mind that i'm like oh i fucking get this movie now (laughs) that was definitely the light bulb moment for me as well Mm -hmm. definitely um and the thing that i love the most is that courtney has like she's been dying to get over to this party right and now she's like oh i hear stuff over there Mm-hmm. something's going on something weird's happening mm-hmm. and this is when she goes upstairs and she's reading playboy and talking on the phone <laughs> with a friend about oh and he put his tongue in my mouth and it was gross <laughs> yeah yeah this is where you get like full-blown like horn dog like courtney it, it's it's kind of great too that you kind of have her as a character like being i know i keep saying like she's just she's just horny it's like you don't see that often with female characters in movies like especially slasher movies because like the pervert type character the pervert type character is always a dude yeah this one they gave it to courtney who's like what 14 or 15 yeah the younger sister it's like what i was like oh you little perv but like (laughs) you think about it when you're that age you are kind of like that. You're going through like the thick of puberty. Yeah. And it's kind of, 
and they they do it with um a lot of respect the way that they do approach like Courtney's development in that you know horn dog sense because she does say really fucking innocent shit mm-hmm. uh, it, like on the conversation to her friend and even to her sister about something that happened in the fifth grade yeah I don't know and you know you can see that she is still learning about herself she, she's still a kid exactly yeah and, and I think nice yeah and they don't like sexualize the fact that she's like a horn dog or anything they just make it like normal teenage exploration yeah like she what yeah she reads porn she talks about french kissing she's like trying out these new experiences but like they're not going to sexualize it in a way that like she's having sex in the movie like exactly and i think i really appreciated that about the film that there was no sexualization of really anything besides like those weird half nudity scenes where we saw some boobs Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely and i think i think whoops i think as like time goes on with like the character of courtney it's like she ends up becoming kind of a highlight of this movie for me because of those aspects yeah definitely Mm -hmm. um so back at the party back at the party the sleepover quotation everyone's like it's a massive party and everyone's the, having a really good time the titular slumber party yeah. <laughs> um jeff and neil uh they end up getting into the party because mm-hmm. they go they scare the girls but there's it, that's a scene that i absolutely missed by accident but yeah so jeff and neil have rocked up to the party um there's a ring at ring at the door the doorbell a ring at the door okay mm-hmm. um and then they're like oh shit fucking pizza cool yeah what about that and i love this scene it's so good because when they open the pizza uh open the, open the door they open the door they open the door not the pizza the pizza gets open later in a scene that i fucking is up there as my favorite scene probably <laughs> um because when they open, yeah, so they open the door and it's the pizza guy with his eyeballs drilled out and he just like falls straight into the fucking Yeah, house. he he like he does the natural fall thing of like falls forward rather than backward and like yeah. it's almost like Russ was there holding the body until the door opened <laughs> yeah. and then he let go. Really like right away. <laughs> yeah. And then just like bolted like right away. I and- love this they just kind of like shuffle him into the house like yeah they're like bring in the corpse (laughs) yeah but it's just so they can close the door they don't even move him in that much (laughs) yeah they like barely pull him in to where he's like an inch in the door and then slam the door door. (laughs) like it's like oh you could have left that body outside but all right (laughs) i mean bring it in bring 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 it what is it in monty python bring out your dead yeah which which <laughs> leads to another great moment in the movie later on yeah and yes that's the scene i'm talking about yeah uh at this time coach jo- coach Yana's on the phone because kim and jackie are asking her about the baseball game <laughs> and i was like i would have done that kind of shit with my friends too like just fought it out and be like well you know what i'm i'm gonna call someone and find out now I do Google, but yeah, definitely. yeah, yeah. It's 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 great. This is like where the movie like really kicks into high gear. I feel like um, as soon as that, as soon as the pizza guy scene happens, it just like it gets so good from here on out. 
Yeah, I, the pizza guy scene's just meant for me. I, I just it looks so cool with his eyes drilled out. But anyway, so Coach Jana, 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 Jana can um, she hears them all screaming on the other end of the phone, and she's like, "Oh my god, what's going on?" But um, while they're trying to explain what's happening, Russ cuts the phone line. So um, the coach calls Valerie, and Valerie's like, "I'm not going over there." you whatever and Courtney's like I'll go over there (laughs) yeah Courtney like almost like steps up to the plate over everyone else to go like oh I'll just go check out the chaos that's going on at the house next door I volunteer as tribute (laughs) yeah pretty much it's 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 great she's rambunctious I love it yeah I think she's just really typical of a teenager and it's great yeah she's like impulsive she like yeah doesn't think about the consequences she just kind of does okay, let's go yeah um the coach decides she'll go which i think like that's what an adult should do mm-hmm. yeah well Can you do that in the no let's day? send the 14 year old um so they're all they're panicking in the house they're locking the windows and doors jeff and neil concoct a plan that they're gonna run away and um Jeff's going to go to Mr. Content's house and Neil's going to go to Valerie so they can call the cops. And I love that they're just with these like piss weak little steak knives running mm-hmm. out of the house. Yeah. It's just like, I take a way bigger knife than that. Or like it's, a it's, hammer. It's, it's like you clearly know this dude is decimating people with this giant ass power drill and you're just going to take this like wimpy little steak knife. And this is what I was saying about mediocre men in this film. Well, I mean, think about it. It's like, it's like they have these tiny little tools going up yeah. against this other male with like this big ginormous monstrosity. Yeah. It, it's like it's 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 a pissing contest. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's it's great. It's like it's like oh, he's the alpha male. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's it's hilarious. And it, and it's like most people don't quite pick up on that gag the first time around. Yeah, when I saw it, I was like, oh, I get why they've got, like, piss leak knives. Yeah, because they're the wimps. They're the, the, the weaklings. Yeah, they're the little, the little, piss, the little piss stains. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that as soon as they make a break for it, like, because, um, sorry, Russ kills um, Jeff in the garage. Or yes. Yeah. Maims him in the garage. Yeah. And Neil, he chases after Neil um, to Valerie's front door. Now, Valerie's watching a movie really quite loudly in the living room. And I love that Neil doesn't even, like, bang on the door. He's, like, politely knocking. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you can't even, like, hear it, like, over the movie. He's just, like, subtly knocking, like, like... You think you think it should be like pounding like like Lori does in Halloween? Exactly, but he's just like, "Excuse me, hi, hello, Valerie, yeah." You're fine. Um, sorry to interrupt, but you know, shit's going down. There's like a serial killer on the loose. Like, uh, help! There's a guy with a giant power jewel. Um, we don't know what to do. If you got time, <laughs> I'd appreciate your help. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah. And Russ, um, I love because he just grabs him and there's like a wrestle on the ground. Yeah. Which is just really awkward wrestle. Well, I mean, uh, 
Russ's credit, he's wearing a Canadian tuxedo and denim is very stiff. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I just like I'm still processing that this dude is just wearing denim on denim. Like I the love st- denim. I love it. I haven't worn denim since like a denim vest with like a band patch on the back. <laughs> I wear double black denim, but I will not wear double blue denim. No, you got to wear the double blue denim. You got to oh. wear the Canadian tuxedo. But none of my denim is the same color, like my blue denim. You got to so. get that Russ Thorn fit. <laughs> That's going to be my next Twitter post is me dressed as Russ Thorn. Yeah, with like what? Like the red neckerchief too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I should I think I have a red bandana here somewhere. Yeah, see? There, there's your Halloween costume. People would be like, who the fuck are you? Uh, no. Obviously. I think I think the horror community would get it. If you got oh, like yeah. a power drill and like carried it around to you. Yes. Okay. We're on to something here. Yeah, it's a very simple <laughs> Halloween costume. Simple but effective. Yeah, because Neil, Neil's stabbed with his own gun. Which, well, sorry, with his own knife. Which is really um, like, ironic. He's stabbed with a gun? <laughs> I'm like, that's hard as hell. That's fucking badass. What the? F- I can't. What the fuck movie was it? Was it Punisher Warzone, where like the Punisher like thrusts his gun through somebody, like through like this part of like his neck and yeah, chin, like he, like shoves it as he like fires it and just like stabs oh, him. Yeah. Oh, I loved. I'm maybe I'm gonna watch that movie. Listen, maybe, that movie's very good. But, but he's not stabbed with a gun in this movie he's no. stabbed with his own knife and it's which like sense. yeah which is like oh the tool that was meant to protect you is like the one that turned against you exactly which says a lot about men as well yeah um, it's like your your own penis got you into trouble exactly yeah exactly and i love that valerie kind of gets like fed up with some noise and she's like oh fuck all right i'll go check it out and there's nothing outside but I love that Russ carries Neil's body and goes to chuck it in a boot full of all the other bodies. Yeah, like he carries it like a distance too. And it looked so easy for him. Yeah. I mean, when you got crazed eyes like that, you got super strength. I mean, I can't can't imagine that that drill is like very light either. No, no, I imagine that'd be quite heavy. I mean, it's... It's got to be at least like 60 pounds. It's like a big drill. Yeah. So 60 pounds um, is like, I don't know how many kilos, maybe. Oh, pounds. yeah. Metric system. I knew that conversation would come back up. <laughs> Look, how many kilograms? Know. We're not, you know what? We're not mathematicians, so it doesn't matter. Listen, it's heavy. It's That's heavy. all you need That's to know. Um, but I love that he's counting. Uh-huh. He's like, one, two, three, four. And he's like, yeah. oh, fuck. Like yeah. someone's getting away. Yeah, like he's like he knows how many people were in the house, and he's like, "Oh no, I forgot one." <laughs> but at the same time, that shows that like he's not an idiot. No, like there's numerous stuff he does throughout the movie that it's like, oh, he is like he thinks like like earlier with the blood on the floor. Yeah, like he is a functioning human. Yeah, even though they're like he's from an insane asylum. Yeah. Yeah, like he—he's yeah, he's just like he—he's very much human. Because I—I am—I don't know anything about killers in real life, but I imagine killers in real life would be like, oh, I know how many people were in that house. Yeah, yeah, so. definitely. 
Mm-hmm. So Jeff crawls across the backyard and he's like scratching at the door and the girl's like, fuck off. We are not opening that. Yeah. We're not stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so he ends up getting, you know, like drilled to death. <laughs> and the girls all hear it and they were like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe that was someone. They're like, maybe we should <laughs> open that. But then <laughs> this is my favorite scene. Because the girls are all sitting in the living room in a circle, back to back, with knives. Mm-hmm. As Jackie, you do. Jackie's like, oh, fuck, I'm hungry. Yeah. And so she pries the pizza box from the dead pizza guy's hands. The pizza that didn't get destroyed when his body fell. Yeah. Places it on the pizza guy's back, opens it, and just eats. And she's like, oh. Um, she was, uh, the quote is, well, life goes on after all and eating makes me feel better, uh, best when I feel bad and boy, do I feel bad. And she eats a pizza and she's like, I feel better already. Yeah. Yeah. It's- <laughs> I wrote, girl, same. I do anything for pizza. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, she like does not waste it either. No, like, I'm it's- hungry. I'm eating. Yeah. And she eats it off of his dead body. It's like, what? That's a scene that always gets a reaction when I show it to a group. I loved it. I was like, oh, it's it's just so normal. Like, it just makes it normal. One of the greatest moments. Yeah, I love it. Um, So during this, Courtney has like snuck over to the house Mm -hmm. and Trish, uh, sorry, Valerie sees her through the window and she's like, for fuck's sake, like, Mm-hmm. what have i said don't go over there um mm-hmm. so valerie goes over and um courtney dips out and she's yeah. like oh fuck. all right so valerie's ringing the doorbell she's knocking on the door there's nothing valerie leaves and goes around the back mm-hmm. and finds courtney so during this time um the girls are all freaking out and jackie's like fuck it i'm gonna open the door and let valerie in mm-hmm. um unfortunately when she opens the door it's russ who yeah. cuts her throat with the drill which looks totally cool mm-hmm. like, it's it's like to go no, from like that pizza scene to like that and in like a matter of two minutes yeah it's great because it's like it, you let your guard down because something's so off the wall like comedic happened that like it it, it it just punches you in the face with like oh here's something horrifying yeah that, yeah. that scene's really well done i really liked how they did that yeah I, yeah i really like the core in this movie a lot it's good yeah and it's not obnoxious no it's like they made the best of with what they had yeah absolutely it was done really well i really i appreciated that part because i do like gore i love films with gore but it has to be contextual for me yeah i see that like saw so. print in the background <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, I'm, I'm like i would hope i love it I'm like, I would hope you like gore if you got that. <laughs> yeah. The Saw films are, well, the first two, because they're the ones written by James Wan and um, Lee Winnell. So then they all just went off the charts. Didn't did did Lee Winnell write the third one as well? Uh, yes, actually he did. Yeah. Yeah. I was yes. going to say, I think he did. That. I think I was going to say, I'm pretty sure he did that entire trilogy as long as like Jigsaw was alive. Yes, I have. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Yeah. yeah, but I really like the first two. They're probably my favorite. Fair I'm enough. I'm really looking forward to Spiral. Oh my god! They posted that photo the other day online, and I was like, ah. Oh. 
I was like, I need it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like Darren Lynn Bowsman coming back. Chris Rock developing the story yes. and starring in it with Samuel Jackson. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, it's it's back to being like a detective movie, like the first one. Yeah, it's going to be cool. I, and I love Samuel Jackson, so I'm that, not the biggest fan of Chris Rock, but I have a feeling like I will probably enjoy him in this. Oh, movie. and then like Darren Lynn Bowsman has like gone on record to say that like Spiral has like the most depraved trap in Saw history. Like he's like not the goriest, like the most depraved, like the one you see it and you're like, oh my god, who thought of this? Oh, okay. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully it gets a release this year yeah fingers crossed along with Candyman, please please i'm i'm over here dying for halloween oh really so i'm not the biggest halloween fan oh i am like i need it <laughs> put it in my life it's like <laughs> i need to see saint Maud still hold on i oh, need to do one movie at a time i need to see that fucking movie i know yeah. but it won't get a release here um you can always get a region free player and import the UK Blu-ray. Could do that. Or I can, I'm going to try and see if I can get a, um, an Australian version of it. I, I'm going to check if it's been classified because then it'll get a release here. So. An Australian release. Do they say like slang in it? Like Australian slang? No, no I'm kidding. <laughs> it's region four. They, I just need a region four release. They, they redub <laughs> the entire movie with Australian slang. I'm like, it's British. British Australian. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm hey. like hey. I'm like ways to insult an Australian. Just say that like, oh, you know British. Yeah, they're just they're just British, but with a bit more of an edge. Which is a cooler. I'll vouch for that. Sorry to all my UK mutuals online. <laughs> <laughs> Don't apologize. <laughs> Listen, I write for a UK based site. I have. <laughs> um, so the girls have rushed upstairs. Yep. Um, they're sitting inside um, their um, bedroom, and Valerie says, "All right, I'm going to go check one more time." And she comes around the doors. Front doors magically wide open, so she goes in, mm-hmm. and uh, she's calling out to the to the girls upstairs, and they're like, "No," because she could be working with the killer. Yeah. And so. Courtney, I think Valerie leaves again. There's like a lot of stuff that goes on um, because Russ creeps in through a window and um, Trish fucking KOs him with a baseball bat, like knocks him the fuck out, which is the coolest thing. I was like, yes. That baseball knowledge comes in handy. Yeah. She's got a good (laughs) swing on her. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah. It's great. I love it. Yeah. And Kim attacks him with a knife, but he ends up twisting the knife around and stabbing her, which is really shitty because Kim's probably, like, she was just really cool. She reminded me of um, the blonde actress in Glee. Ooh, I never watched Glee. Oh, okay. I don't know what else she's in. (laughs) So that's why I was like, Glee? (laughs) I'll take your word for it. She just, they just look so alike. Um, Uh And... This is where it gets, there's like a massive plot hole because Russ is upstairs trying to find Trish and Valerie and Courtney come into the house and there's this scene where Courtney is like opening and closing the fridge and Kim's body's in the fridge. Oh, yeah. 
like, how did she get in there? Listen, how did the fridge have enough room to fit a body in it? Um, I read somewhere that they had drilled a hole on, or there was like a hole on the other side, and the the actress that played Kim was like holding onto it so she could like fall in and out as it like. I, I like to think that I picture Rush just pulling the shelves out in the food and then just, just like throwing it everywhere. Yeah, and just popping the corpse in there in like the two seconds that it takes. Yeah, um, it was that scene. I love. It's just really fucking cool because Courtney's like, "I'll get a beer." Oh no, I won't. Oh, you're maybe under- I will. Oh, maybe I will. And then when she opens it, and Kim's body just like falls out of the fucking <laughs> fridge. Yeah, it's great. That was just really cool uh both the girls hide valerie takes the basement courtney behind the couch and at this time um russ fucking comes downstairs and just lays on the floor and covers himself in a blanket yeah like why (laughs) what like obviously to trick them yeah i guess that's the worst trick yeah but it's like so like it's the it's the parody thing it's like oh yeah. it's like i'm oh. not in you guys just you see <laughs> yeah like oh i bet you'll you'll look under this blanket <laughs> but um coach john yana i got yana just because it's a j doesn't mean it's jana mm-hmm. so she rocks up to the house and courtney's hiding right near russ yeah. trisha's upstairs and valerie's still in the basement and obviously they don't reply they don't want to get killed and so when Yana gets closer, Rust like fucking launches out from under this blanket and chases her with the drill. Now I really love this because um, Yana has a fireplace poker, and there's like this really cool scene. Like all the the women aren't scared to fight back against him in this movie. Like they all, it's like a team effort in every scene. The only scene where. Um, like I felt that there was a lot of vulnerability is in Diane's death scene, but that's because she was backed into a corner and it was like, what else can I do? I have nothing. Mm-hmm. Whereas these girls utilize their environment. They're picking up random weapons, baseball bats, fire pokers, whatever. Yeah. And uh, fighting back against the, the crazy guy with the drill mm-hmm. and they're not scared. Well, they are, but they're like using it's- that. To, yeah. it's powerful for them it's it's a fight or flight yeah yeah it's really i just really loved how kick-ass all of them were mm-hmm. and um so yeah there's a scene where they're all fighting and um courtney comes over and trips russ over and then yana just beats him with this fucking fire poker and i was <laughs> like oh damn yeah that's great <laughs> um and so Trish comes down and stabs Russ. Mm-hmm. Um, and but he somehow manages to get back up. I mean, he's been like absolutely had the shit kicked out of him at mm. this point. And he slashes um the coach with his drill and kills her, which is super sad because I really liked her character. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure she's been in a few horror movies. I'm pretty sure she was in Carrie. And um, yeah, she's been in quite a few different horror films, which is really cool think so yes let me double verify this pamela roylance yeah because i remember her name she might have been in christine i will verify right now what she was in 
It says she's most known for the social network. <laughs> yeah, she played the ad board chairwoman in the social network. Oh, okay. I've and she was in Days of Our Lives. Slumber yeah. Party Massacre was her first movie. Yeah, this was her first movie. Um, she's mostly known for like Days of Our Lives and uh, and uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Three. No, no, no. no I'm on her IMDb right now. Fuck. She was known for Little House on the Prairie. She was in <laughs> fifteen episodes. <laughs> And two TV movies. Oh. So, yeah. You know, that movie has a strong, you know, Little House on the Prairie has a strong connection to the horror community. What? Yeah. Fun fact. Okay. So, so John Landon created Little House on the Prairie and was the lead in that show, correct? I don't know. I've never watched it. Oh, well, John Landon is the lead and he plays the lead character. He plays the father on that show. His okay. son in real life is a director now. His son oh. is Christopher Landon, who directed Happy Death Day and Freaky. Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. so now this has a connection to that, too. So like yeah. and then wow. uh, uh, John Landon, like one of his first starring roles was like in a movie called I Was a Teenage Werewolf. So, oh, I know that film. Yeah. Yeah. It's the reason that Christopher Landon says he directs horror now is because his father was so into it. So now we found another connection to The Little House on the Prairie was with Slumber Party Massacre. Fuck yeah. That's yeah. sick. Yeah. It's great. But yeah, she's she's a fantastic character. It is kind of bummy yeah. when she dies in this movie. Yeah, I was really bummed out. I was like, oh. But at the same time, it's like, oh, it's a slasher movie. It needs a high body count. Yeah, I think like 16 people or 12, maybe 12 or 16. It's yeah, even- yeah, they they weren't going to do the Halloween thing where like, oh, three people died in this movie. Yeah, like everybody's dying. Sorry. <laughs> um, One thing that I thought was really... Uh, done brilliantly in this film is that we do not see, like hear a single word come out of Russ's mouth throughout the whole film. We hear him like whispering, like counting the bodies in the back of the trunk, but we actually hear him with some dialogue in this scene um, when he is approaching Trish with the drill and he's saying to her, like, you're so pretty, you're all so pretty, I love you. It takes a lot to, um, of mm-hmm. love for a person to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you want it you'll like it yeah it's almost like an abusive relationship huh yeah and i'm just like oh no you can fuck off now yeah yeah it's it yeah. that's where the that's where it truly gets creepy yeah he's a big creep yeah he's a massive just this is where you get the signs that he isn't a normal just some normal guy no no it's like beneath like that exterior lies something super sinister and like super wrong yeah i read somewhere that the actor that played him just isolated himself from everyone on the set and just kept away from them and i was like oh that would have been so creepy yeah i feel like it's a little bit more effective when they do that rather than like when you see the it chapter two photos and like Bill Skarsgård is like hanging out with the cast and everything. <laughs> yeah. You have that photo of like him making like, or of Bill Hader, like making him laugh. And you're just like, Oh, <laughs> it's like hard to buy into the idea when you watch the final product and you know, Oh, they were just palling around on set. 
Um, but I think like behind the scenes after I watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but, but I think it, it it plays it a little bit more effective in this movie because of that isolation. Yeah, and you can definitely see that they don't have any kind of connection whatsoever like mm-hmm. the other actresses do in the film and where they're, you know, friends and they seem to have like a real natural dynamic, whereas Russ doesn't have a dynamic with anybody. Yeah. Yeah. As I think it should be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, during this, this is the, the big ending kind of scene. So Valerie runs out with this massive fucking machete. Yeah. I so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. She's like, I'm coming for you. And he is terrified of her. Yeah, like he like it's like he didn't expect her in particular to fight back. Yeah. Oh, um, it's it's so funny, like the look on his face where he's like, oh shit, like Yeah, fuck, like that yeah. realization of like, oh, okay. Oh fuck. Yeah. yeah. They run out. He well, she chases him out the out the backyard. She's got no hesitation. She's just fucking swinging yeah. at him. And I love this because she chops the end of the drill off. Mm-hmm. She she lops the drill bit off, and emasculates him. Yeah, straight up. That's like exactly what it was. Like you have the whole penis metaphor throughout the movie, and she straight up emasculates him by chopping the end of his drill off, and that's where he just like breaks down. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, he's defenseless without yeah. it. Yeah. He's like my pride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, I love when she friggin' chops his hand off net, like after this. Mm-hmm. Because it just looked really... Um, uh, there wasn't lots of blood and gross tendony bits. And like you said, they really worked with what they had for this. But it's yeah. still impactful. Yeah. And that's and that was the the pretty much the mantra of New World Pictures is all of their movies were low budget, but they all ended up being cult classics in their own right because of this. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. Besides all the-, the sound of the hand hitting the concrete. Oh, it was like, yeah. I was like, oh, yuck. Yeah, so good. <laughs> Great sound design right there. Um, I think all the best slashers end with a decapitation. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. For sure. And then then so yeah so is is that where the movie ends right there no because there's like a bit of a um she slashes him across the stomach oh Oh, yeah yeah it was like oh fuck it's finally over yeah Um, yeah and and um but he crawls back out of the pool Mm -hmm. and um he's like trying to choke valerie and courtney's trying to fight him like off her sister and he just smacks her like socks her one right in the face and she's like whoa what Mm -hmm. who do you think you are like the look on her face she's just like are you kidding me yeah Um, and trish comes out she attacks him again and in this whole big scuffle like valerie's grabbed the machete and um he goes to like lunge at Valerie again and she stabs him right in the stomach. He's dead. And then the girls are all crying. They're fucking like, which, oh my God, what which, happened? Which you think because they're going to decapitate the drill bit. It's like, oh, are they going to decapitate him? But they don't. Yeah. yeah. So they moved the decapitation from him to his drill. Yes. Which is a nice way to do it rather than see a head chopped off. Like, I don't mind a good old decapitation, to be honest. No, neither do I, but I like the drill decapitation in this one. Yeah. 
it's they, a lot more symbolic. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then we hear police sirens off in the distance and credits. And then this is where Slumber Party Massacre 2 picks up. Right from the end scene. Years later. Oh, okay. Okay. Because I was like, do they just try to I, deal I, with their trauma? I won't say, but... Um, what What's her name? Not Valerie. Um, sorry. Her, her name is like... Courtney. Courtney. Yeah. It focuses on her. She's in high school now. Yeah. And Valerie is in a mental institution. Oh, shit. It doesn't follow her at all, but apparently Valerie yeah. had like a mental breakdown after everything. Okay. And apparently Courtney is also traumatized from the events. And the whole yeah. movie is just her navigating that trauma. Interesting. Okay, I'm really going to watch it now. Because <laughs> it's on Amazon, so I'm going to watch it. I will say this. I'm sure you've seen the poster of it, but the killer in it, his drill is like part of an electric guitar. Yes, yeah, I have, yeah. Um, <laughs> and he does, like, a rockabilly, like, musical number. It's, like, bizarre. It's great. Okay. Um, it's, my so... pers- it's my personal favorite in the series. The I'm guy sorry. who plays the killer in that movie, his father was the founder of Little Caesar's Pizza. Oh, no way! What the fuck? <laughs> it, it's great. When you know little tidbits like that, it makes it sweeter. Oh, but, um, but, yeah, and then, like, Valerie's, like, in a rock band, too. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, I'm sold. It's good. I, I tell everyone, I'm like, you can't watch one and you can't, and you can't watch one and then not watch two. Yeah, all right. Because I think they're very intertwined, especially because they both follow, like, Valerie and her yeah. sister. Well, they follow Courtney. Like, she ends up being the protagonist of the second one. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, so. I would overall, be really with my nieces watch Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah. Overall, I really enjoy these movies. Like, they're so good. If you haven't seen them, listeners, I do highly recommend seeking both of them out. I understand two is kind of hard to come by, but definitely one. One is very accessible and very good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, definitely one and two are on Amazon for Australian um, Mm -hmm. streamers. Well, listeners, sorry, that want to stream it. Um, (laughs) I don't know about... (laughs) Streamers, stream it on Twitch. Oh look, I haven't Let's... had lunch yet, so my brain's like, "What are what? What are words?" Oh, I'm like <laughs> lunch. I'm like it's seven thirty p.m. here. It's two thirty. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> oh, it's all right. I'm. This is like me normal. Like ADHD, don't eat. Like it's like my brain and my stomach do not talk to one another. Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, um, yeah, I'm I'm really glad you enjoyed this movie. Um, I really really enjoyed it and. I've been trying to find a lot more um, like uh, horror movies with that feminist lens that mm-hmm. is directed by women, written by women. And so to find something like this is really, really cool. And it's something that I can share with other people too, like my nieces who love horror. So mm-hmm. yes, they're four and, and six, but you know, they watch a lot of kids horror, a lot of gateway horror. And so I think they'd actually really enjoy this yeah i would say this one is a good gateway like slasher it's not too bloody it's not too spooky it's like it's a fun time yeah that's lots of fun it's a real fun time and especially with women in horror month coming up it's like yeah absolutely well this episode comes out mid women in horror month so there you go that's why (laughs) that was listen when you approached me and you're like 
your episode will go up around this time. What do you want to do? I'm like, oh, Slumber Party Massacre. Absolutely. And I'm really stoked. It's, um, yeah. yeah, I'm going to hopefully be sharing some articles that are written um, about this, if I can find some. Mm-hmm. Um, I might write something on Medium about it through like what I know for sociology stuff, if I mm-hmm. have the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll look, I'll t- let me know if you do that. I'd love to read that. I I will let you know. My life is currently incredibly hectic. I'm about to pick up university again, so we'll see isn't how I go. Isn't everybody's life hectic? <laughs> well, speaking of Women in Horror Month, um, to wrap up our recording today, what does Women in Horror Month mean to you? Oh, man. I think for the longest time, horror was strictly like like a like a boys club you had outliers like slumber party massacre and whatnot but to me it it's a genre that appeals to everybody and is for everybody so to have women in horror month and kind of highlight those like strong women and women representation in horror it's it's like no we've always been here and we always will be yeah whether yeah. you like it or not. Too bad. Yeah. <laughs> get used to it. You got, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, gave, we gave you three Slumber Party Massacre movies. But yeah, that's what Women in Horror Month means to me and what it stands for. So I'll always support it. It's actually like how how I kind of got into my writing and like awesome. position yeah. in the horror community was in Women in Horror Month. Oh, were you featured uh i would i wrote a piece for uh screen queens about assassination nation and and then uh that one was featured on the front page of fangoria's website for over three months holy fuck yeah and then that was just like a gateway then like sci-fi fangirls reached out to me and then eventually like when they shuttered um i reached out to bloody disgusting and started writing for them too that's so cool yeah so. I'll have to read it because I love Assassination Nation, so I have to like read everything that's ever possibly been oh, written about ever. I I will send you. I will send you it. Okay, send it to me, please. I would yeah. love to. I read um uh BJ. I can't say her last name. Because... Oh yeah, like uh her 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 wife uh, wrote a piece. Oh, her yeah. wife did. Oh, yes. I wasn't too sure she because she, she wrote a piece about it. I, I think they both did. She wrote a piece about bit. Yeah, her wife wrote about Assassination Nation because yeah. I read that one too. Yes, I just read it recently. Because she's uh, also a trans woman like myself. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. To read those perspectives, like that content from those perspectives because they're the only, honestly, that's the only one that matters when it comes to critiquing something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's okay to have an opinion on it, but mm-hmm. that perspective is probably more important than any other one. So mm-hmm. i that- from it like a female perspective yeah and that's why i do what i do like i'll write about like the off the wall horror movies not necessarily from like a trans perspective but it's like oh you don't really see someone like myself writing about these movies yeah exactly like like i mean i wrote about nightbreed and freaking um silent night deadly night part four (laughs) like for bloody really good listen those silent night deadly nights uh sequels are bonkers 
Yeah, I was listening to the Bloody Disgusting podcast and Zena Dixon was talking about it. And I was like, okay, I have to see these movies. Yeah. She like she posted about it the day that my piece went up on Bloody Disgusting. So there, so there was just like a conversation around that website just about like Silent Night, yeah. Deadly Night 4. It's just like bugs, weird cults, feminism and about that she has the most intense taste in in movies and yeah. everything she recommends is just great i will watch it i love it and me and her we found out share a birthday oh no way birthday twins yeah oh, so we found out on twitter like people were tagging us and posts together we're like oh okay oh happy birthday yeah <laughs> i share a birthday with the actress that is on scott pilgrim versus the world mary elizabeth Winston. Uh, Yes, we have the same birthday. Oh, yeah. She's my birthday buddy. I think another birthday I share with somebody is uh, Kate McKinnon. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's her name I haven't heard for a while. Yeah, she hasn't done much since, like, Ghostbusters 2016. Yeah. Oh, my nieces love that movie. The movie's not bad. Oh, no. Like, I I love it. Yeah. um, She goes around as, what's um, Kate McKinnon's character's name? Holtzman. Um, Holtzman. So my niece. I hate that. I need that right out the top of my head. (laughs) On the spectrum. So Uh she's an absolute sweet, darling baby angel. Uh And for an entire week, we had to call her Holtzman. Oh, well, you got to follow that rule. You just, if a four year old tells you that her name is Holtzman, that's what you call her. Yeah, that's that's her chosen name. You got to respect that. (laughs) But uh... she's bonkers, that child. (laughs) But. uh... (laughs) I, I'm really glad that you asked me on to talk about this movie because yeah. I would really love. I'm I'm I would I want everybody to watch this movie. Like everybody who even remotely watches slashers, let's watch it. Yeah, it's like go 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 watch it. It's on Shutter in the U.S. It's on Amazon in Australia. It's like accessible, especially the first installment. It's like it's like less than ninety minutes. Yeah, you can. It's an easy weekday watch. Yeah, throw it on when you have friends over. Throw it on at a slumber party. Like, just watch it however you can. That's. I think that's all I have to say about that. It's like it's good, especially for Women in Horror Month. Watch it. Yes, watch it especially for now. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can we find you on the internet if you want to be found? You can find all of my social stuff at JFC Doomblade. Yes, that is an Acacia Strain reference. Um, <laughs> and you can find my writing regularly being posted on ScreenQueens.com, BloodyDisgusting.com, formerly SciFiFangirls.com. And I own, I host my own podcast at Horror in Session. We are available on Apple and Spotify. And yeah, that's... I know that's a lot, but that's everywhere you can find me. (laughs) Great. Well, don't forget you can find TGIF on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGIF Pod. If you love the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. You've been listening to TGIF. See you next Friday. (laughs)